Welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club. I'm your host, Justin Julander. And with me, as always, Mr. Chuck Bowen. What is up? Hey, what's up, dude? <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. Friday, another Friday. Uh, fucking kick-ass guest. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> we have stuff. with, yeah, we have with us the returning for round two, uh, the the man, the myth, the legend, Ron St. Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? Oh, good. Glad to be back, man. It's yeah, glad to have you back. Yeah, got a we got a fun episode for you today. So, and and Ron is about the the best qualified person to to debate this topic. So we thought, who better to bring on than Ron? And he was gracious enough to come on again. We, he didn't he didn't get too uh, too annoyed with us last time, I guess. So, <laughs> no, man, I love this podcast. So this is cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we're Big happy fan. to have you back. It should be a good discussion. So. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. Well, I'm. I I think the most thing, the biggest thing I'm curious about. I saw you post a picture of your uh, Spencer's monitor digging. Any, yeah. Uh, update. Yeah. And you there? noticed there was no update. Oh, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker. I, so so about two hours after I posted that photo, I went outside and I saw her out of the burrow and flipped mm-hmm. around with her head in and i thought oh she's oh, done backfilling and she's packing the eggs right yeah there was nothing in there ah, and then God. and then two days later i started finding eggs in the feces oh no so she turned around and ate them oh. and i have one more shot this year well, i have one more female that's gravid so i'm mm-hmm. hoping maybe mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna lie i'm getting discouraged but yeah well it, those eggs may rough. not have even been fertile. It's possible that male didn't breed that female. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you don't usually typically see a, a healthy, happy monitor eat their own eggs, right? They're going to yeah, right. that if they're not good, you know? Correct. Yeah. That's generally been my experience. I mean, I, I do know they will eat good eggs sometimes. Mm, Some of them yeah. will. Usually um, it's like the male though, right? That gets at the eggs or something or another female or something. Actually, I've seen it in both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really. I used to see it a lot with tegus. They, Mm-hmm. I don't miss those things for that reason. That was there was a lot of times where the female would lay a huge clutch of eggs, and either the female or a male would would eat them, and it was just so yeah. aggravating. What a what a fun little uh, you know genetic dead end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Offspring. Well, that. I mean, you, you got to figure though that they they probably you know don't hang out together in the wild. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the they do their business, and the female goes off, and then she finds a spot to, for to sure. lay. Um, yeah. And I always tried to separate them when I was sure that the female was going to, yeah. to be or as close to laying eggs. But sometimes, you know, you misjudge it and I yeah. uh, didn't get the males out quick enough. And mm-hmm. because I had issues where I was, where the, you know, females got really huge and I was sure they were gravid. And then I pulled the male and then nothing would happen. Uh, yeah. So, so over the years I've gotten a little more, um, you know, I, I'm a little less, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I'm slower about moving them out because, yeah. uh, yeah. Don't want to yank that mail. Yeah, I don't want to yank them too early. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, yeah, I, I have another male Spencer's that I'm raising that mm-hmm. is big enough to go was big enough this year, but he wasn't quite, I was, he was a little too small. And I was like, I, my thought was, Oh, maybe that big giant female might decide he's more of a snack than a, potential mate but mm. now he's he's caught up to her now so going into i'm going to hibernate them together with that younger male and i think uh 
I think if I'm having a problem with these, it's definitely not the females because they've laid infertile eggs now. Yeah. This will be the second year. Uh, it's the male that I, that big giant male that I have is just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this little guy, I think will get it done. So, yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm rooting for you, man. Those are some cool lizards for sure. Yeah. They're definitely mm-hmm. something I want to get done. Yeah. In case they ban everything, at least I can say I did it before they yeah. yanked them out from under me. Oh, God. Let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. I mean, again, I mean, that's a good reminder to be vigilant, you know, keeping up with US ARC and, and some of the proposed legislation and, and don't sleep on it, you know. Yeah, keep it's un- it. unbelievable the shit that's coming out. I don't know if you saw the CITES yeah. uh, adding 180 species of turtles and. And then at the very end of it, there's a little addendum that they're considering uh, stopping the trade of anything that can potentially carry a zoonotic disease, which oh, is brother. fucking everything. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So there'd be no international trade, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't. Would, would kind of, I don't know. Be, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I, I think I know what you're going to say. It's, it's like a. I, I'm having a hard time deciding how my fate will be affected by that because mm-hmm. I really don't do any international sales, but yeah, there's a lot of people that do make their living doing that and you're going to, plus you can't bring in new shit either. So yeah. if that's done, what's here is here. Yeah. And my concern is at what port, what point are the states individually going to look at that and go, Oh, well, if we were, you know, if we're not letting country to country, maybe we shouldn't be letting state to state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it just continues shit rolls downhill. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it's it, it takes once too. And you know, then it's a huge battle to try to get that reverse. So it's easier yeah. to fight it on this end than on the other side. So let's, yeah, let's for sure. vigilant. But you know, I, I, I see things like um, radiated tortoises, that huge bus that they made over there where they found what, what like 10,000 yeah. radiated tortoises in one crappy little building. And, yep. you know, they were half dead and dying and just not in good shape. And I think they rescued, I think like several thousand of them died, you know, and I just think some, sometimes they just protect things into extinction, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, if they let those out into the into the pet trade or, or at least, you know, enough to kind of satiate the, the want and the desire to have them, then they don't really, you know, it, I guess it's hard because sometimes they can import all, all day long and nobody establishes them because they're imports and they don't yeah. want to compete with the imports. And so yep. they don't do it. And then those things stop being imported. And then all of a sudden we don't have them anymore. And then they become like the Solomon Island skinks, you know, they they've stopped the import of those for a while and they were a thousand dollars and then all of a sudden start importing them again. They're back down to a couple hundred bucks a piece or, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but. Yeah. We, we bought, we set up 13 of those, um, with the fit, with the assumption that at some point they're going to cut them off again. Yeah. And then, uh, but there, that, that is an animal that's extremely difficult to establish in any kind of numbers, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're kind of antisocial, right? They, or do they get along? No, no, actually, I haven't, we have one huge oh, enclosure okay. and one cool. giant group, and they're very protective of each other. And, oh, gotcha. And they protect the area. It's, it's, they're pretty cool, but, nice. but they have one baby. So, yeah, yeah. You know, 
the the shingleback skink problem is like as i think yeah. of because yeah. yeah i love shinglebacks i'd love to get some i got offered a pair for 20 grand i'm like yeah, yeah if i had 20 grand maybe yeah. but i don't have 20 grand to spare, spend on a yeah. pair of lizards that has one baby you know every every other year or something yeah. that's that's a little too too much for, for that kind of project yeah, yeah that's a if you're gonna breed that for something that's a mm -hmm. that's a that's like all things considered, that's a really steep price. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, again, it'll take you I, ten I, years to just get. Yeah, 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 for sure. Then again, I think I think I'm if you know if I had that kind of just sitting around and I could spend, I I that would probably be something I would want to spend that money on. You know, just right. like sure, so cool. I wouldn't mind having them. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a. I mean, a it, yeah, it, well, and, if you had the business capital. Mm -hmm. out of AAR to do that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, but like, I mean, that's, you know, that's a lot of money. That's a yeah. lot of money, man. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things I probably need to do, you know, with yeah. 20 grand before I buy a pair of shing shinglebacks, but yep. you know, that's a species I'd love to work with someday and, you know, hope to someday. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had them in the past years ago, you know, in the nineties when they were re relatively common and mm -hmm. that's so great. I, yeah, they were they were around seven hundred bucks a piece or yeah. something. Like uh, but you know, oh I didn't. God. I never worked with them seriously because of the one baby thing. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I couldn't afford to. Eat, eat, back then, seven hundred dollars to me was a shit ton of money, mm -hmm. and I couldn't afford to to have a couple of grand sitting on something that, you know doesn't really pay for itself. Yeah. yeah. May not even, may not even like pair up or, you know, yeah. be, a, be a viable uh, pair or something. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't like buying anything unless I can get 10 of something. And that way yeah. I'm sure that I'm getting males and females and have a reasonable chance that a few of them are going to produce them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that funny that, that, that 700 a pair, you probably could have got 10 for seven grand, which is less than, it right. costs to get one today, you know, it, mm -hmm. I guess the good, the good part of that is the, the person that offered me the pair is doing very well with them and producing numbers of them, which is really, incredible. yeah. So, um, that's, cool. that's, that's good. That. Know somebody's doing well with them, but yeah. So, and then, you know, I guess that's in relative terms. I mean, he's not pumping out 50 a year and yeah. <laughs> not enough to bring down the price or anything, but you know, enough to keep them going and you know, <laughs> produce some captive bred offspring, but he had unrelated pairs for sale and things like that. So really, that's well, that's cool. That's yeah. promising. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping he continues that and continues to grow them. You know, he's, he's selling other things in favor of just producing shinglebacks, you know, to, to some extent, I, I, he still has other projects, but yeah. So there's always somebody out there that's got, you know, sitting on a, a big collection of something or other that, you know, they yeah. just aren't in the, they don't, they don't get online. They don't, right, talk to anybody, not, they yeah. just do their thing. You know? so, yeah. There's a lot of guys out there like that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be great to know all the things that, you know, you, you could get if you knew the right person or yeah. something. But that could also be very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Is that your dog drinking, Chuck? No, that's oh. mine. You can oh, hear that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, no, it's not me this time. It's not me this time. I swear. That sounds very familiar. No, my, my dog is definitely sitting right next to me because otherwise she was over there like getting all twacked oh, out and yeah. nervous. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak out. He's on the air. I'm going to freak out. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's a bulldog. No, no, no. no worries. Yeah. 
Come yeah, on. We're, but we're a dog friendly show by default. <laughs> yeah. Even if our dogs aren't friendly. <laughs> we both have barking dogs in the background yeah. at some point or another. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I, I actually, when I do these, the yapper, the yappy dog is all the way at the other end of the house. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully you can't hear it. But this one, yep. this one has to sit in here. And all right, I think she's done. Back to, back to her bed now, <laughs> right dude. On. You could have just been like Chuck, calm down. We can hear you drinking your water. I would have told. I would have ran with that for you, Ron. It's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, well, you guys got a good season going. Any uh, cool uh, clutches lately? Uh, us? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah we're we're doing. Yeah, he's not well. asking me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just hatched. We just hatched the clutch of Mertens, and oh yeah, that's right. I saw um, those. That's awesome. Yeah, we got those. Yeah, we got more eggs out of some lace the other day, and uh-huh. I've got another one that's going to lay probably tomorrow. Yeah, and then um, you know all the anoles are really popped. This will be the year that I can finally put the anoles out into the into the public, cool. which cool. it's I've been working on that since 2013. So yeah. it's about, about time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, uh, a lot of it, it's, it's, that's a lot of work that goes into establishing and, you know, species and especially when they're all wild caught or, you know, they're, yeah. you know, you're putting together a big group that that's a difficult thing to do. And I don't think people appreciate the, the time and energy that takes, you know, yeah. no, it's, it's multiple, multiple brand new morphs, which, we're the only ones that are producing them. And, and so there's like five different mutations plus th- two species that were not, I mean, the Podior, which, you know, there's been a few produced here and there, but mm-hmm. not a lot. And, um, and then the Ludigolaris, which as far as I know, we're currently the only one producing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting those up to a colony size of, you know, about 20 yeah. adults that are, that are, you know, producing well was, was a challenge and the mutation production alone takes forever. I mean, everybody thinks it's like to develop new because they, you know, when you see the morphs in the market, usually they've already been developed and now all you have to do is buy a couple and and you're cutting all the, all of the, uh, the bullshit that the originator had to, yep. the hoops that they had to go through, yep. which is what it's supposed, supposed to happen. But yeah, it takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I took on too many at once. There were just too many that popped up all at the same time. So I was like, I'm not letting these go by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I ended up having to, 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 you know, prosecute five things at once. And then I ended up adding a couple others. So I've got other ones too, that down the line, you know, a year or two out, then they'll start coming online. So eventually mm-hmm. with those giant anoles, you know, we'll, we'll have eight to 10 mutations pretty quick, wow. which is a lot for a relatively, you know, new species that has been ignored anyway by the trade what what are the big uh ones that are blue and green and yellow what are what are that that's that's the podior that's okay yeah that's the one everybody dude i we put those up for sale they go and people get pissed when you have to tell them no we're out you know in another month you can i was surprised honestly at the at the um, response that i got from them i really was unsure especially at the price tag you know they're 2500 a piece mm-hmm. um, which is what i paid for ours yeah. so i figured you know least, I'll see. yeah <laughs> and yeah. um and then and if people are just willing to pay it you know yeah. eventually it'll go down and and mm-hmm. but as that goes down i think that market's going to crack wide open i think yeah a lot of people are 
you know, because they're really cool to look at. They display mm-hmm. well and, and they're mm-hmm. beautiful and they're extremely variable. So there's probably a lot of ways we can split off that and you yep. know, have high yellow ones, high blue ones, you know, yeah, different really mixtures. Cool. And eventually I can inject the albinos into that and see what that does and stuff like that. So, because it's a subspecies of, uh, you know, equestris. It's equestris mm-hmm. podior and then the albinos are all equestris floridanus. Okay. So, yeah, very cool. That's, yeah. that's awesome to hear they're, they're doing well for you and you're, you're getting them released now. So yeah, that's, uh, always a good, good, uh, kind of sigh of relief when you can move them into, you know, other, other collections and hopefully they're, they do well with them. And, yeah, you know, when, sure. when, when they have a little bit of a price tag on them like that, then they're going to be more motivated to get them, you know, get them going and established and all that good stuff. Yeah. The people that have bought them have actually done stuff with them for the most part. Yeah. So I'm already, I'm seeing them now starting to produce them. So yep. um, that's, that, and that's what I needed to happen. You know, a lot yeah. of, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, let's just, I've seen other breeders in the past go out of their way to, when they have a new project to put those and the first animals into places where they're not going to ever have to worry about competition. Yeah. But that's, that actually works against you. Yeah. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Yep. It's short sighted. So yeah, Yeah, let's, let's hit on that again. (laughs) That's short sighted to to sell the people who aren't going to be able to do well with the animal. Yeah, it is. It, it it absolutely works to your advantage. I just think it's just, you know, people are insecure about it. Yeah. I just don't give a fuck. I'll sell it to anybody. I, 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 I trying to control where they go yeah. always blows up in impossible. your face. Yeah. yeah it's impossible. Yeah. Trying well, to control the market and all that kind of. I've had people stuff. try to keep me out of projects. I just send a proxy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I'll send somebody that's not even involved in the reptile trade. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they have, they'll have no way of tracing it back to me and I'll get what I want. Yeah. So it's, yeah. so I fit my assumption is that's what most people will do. If mm-hmm. they want something, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. That's good yeah, and yeah. I think I think is and and you've you know you've done all that 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 pre work to it, so you're you know you're, you're way ahead. You're way ahead. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that the the idea that you're somehow sabotaging yourself by making other people successful, it it, it yeah. If if you took a project and you just pushed it out the door right away, right with the first time you had success, I I could see maybe how that would be the case. But you've already lost. You you've already fucked up. If that's how you've. Yeah. If that's how you've done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have done that. Actually, yeah. Yeah. The, the sure. Past. Sure. <laughs> yep. I've done that exact thing. So, yeah. Well, and, and like you said, you, you built up a colony of, you know, 20 or so, of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then probably more in some cases, you know, that to, to make sure your, your breeding group is strong and, and diverse and those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's another part of it that, you know, takes, takes more time, but in the, in the long run, that gives you a more, you know, good, strong base for, for success and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah, I'm 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 happy I got some uh, inland eggs on the ground, so it's nice to have some more of those. I haven't produced those for a few years now, so good to have more. Uh, That's just what you just them. have one clutch on the ground. Yeah, just one. And it looks like another female, or maybe two might yeah. still go. So. I thought you had said possibly two, possibly <laughs> three. So yeah, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna like, be swimming in be, in Metcalfi here soon, man. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, there's been a lot of like. It seems like when you don't have them, that's when everybody's yeah, asking about course. them. And yeah. right. have them, it's like everybody disappears. But yeah. so we'll see if I'm sitting on a, a you know thirty. Did you uh, have any skink luck this year? 
Um, they haven't gone yet, but there's a couple. I only paired up two females and well in my westerns. So I'm I'm hoping, but you know, last year my western delivered a a stillborn. So I was bummed out about that. But hopefully this year will be a little better. I, I moved um, you know, two two years ago now. And so um yeah. last year was pretty abysmal, but this year it's picking up nicely and getting things that that took the year off last year. So hopefully uh skinks will be all right but yeah i'm dead on the water for westerns this year my female came out of hibernation and died oh no it was fine the male was everybody looked good she was eating and just rolled over man it's one of those things that's a a rough loss yeah Yeah. it's a bummer yeah we only had a pair yeah i i have an uh one of the babies that i produced from the from the pair and i'm not sure if it's a, a a male or a female, because I put it with the known sex to see if I could see some behavior and, and you know, um, maybe trade bloodline trade or something like that. But they just all got along just fine. <laughs> like no, hey, no baby. real strong, like breeding behavior out of either of the either the female or the male, the female that just kind of saw, you know, so I don't know if they recognize that that's their offspring. So they're like, eh. but hmm. I don't know. Hey, kind of funny so i still don't know on that one if it's a male or a female um it kind of kind of talks female to me but uh, you know who knows for sure it's so hard yeah they're tough until they get pretty much adults and then yeah it's a little more it's it's fairly it's fairly straightforward but this one's going on three years now so get getting to the point where it should be you know sexable and things like that so we'll see what happens but it would be nice to get kind of i don't know if you can really get an unrelated animal but at least you know not from the same pairing right (laughs) that kind of thing here so we'll see but i mean these are these seem to be the ones that i have are more of the um western australian look to them you know the black and white ones yep yep and then I know that there's some of the South Australian ones floating around too. I know my buddy had some out in California, had a pair of them that I think he got them from Thai park, but yeah, those, um, so oh, is that like, the ones Randy had? I'm not sure, but they, they're, uh, they, they, they're, they're kind of darker overall. They kind of, uh, aren't really very contrasting in pattern. They're, their light bands are kind of more Brown, but. They're still cool looking. Have yeah, I mean, I, I love that skink. That skink's just yeah. badass. Yeah. I think the only one that tops it in my book is this, the multifaciata. <laughs> They're so cool. I had those in the uh, 90s, too. I could kick myself. Yeah. I, uh, I, that's, all those that's, things I should have, pro- you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> focused on. They're kind of an arid animal. I wonder how they do in Florida. You know, They did but, okay. I mean, I yeah. we do all kinds of that way, I guess we'll talk about yeah. that, and as the thing goes sure. on, but we do all kinds of things to compensate for, um, you know, excess rain and shit like that, based mm-hmm. on where they're from, and so it's just it's just not as simple as throwing them outside and saying, yeah. okay, you know, that's true, have the elements, but um, yeah, there are ways around all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, I guess maybe that's a good segue to get into this. Um, let's uh, go ahead. We're, we'll, so today we're going to talk about keeping animals outdoors and uh, kind of the pros and cons or the, the benefits and the, the uh, negative side of that. And so 
Ron keeps a lot of stuff outside. He's the man when it comes to outdoor keeping and has worked out a lot of issues, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> during, during that time. So he knows both sides very well. So whatever side he gets, we're going to allow him to debate the other side <laughs> from time to time, too, because we want to learn from him mm-hmm. <laughs> in any way we can. So um, first off, we'll, we'll flip between me and Chuck to see who goes head to head. So call it, my friend. Oh, that's heads. It's tails. Oh, get the hell out! <laughs> you are. What? You can't win. Yep. Yeah. Winning all year. Yeah. He's skating, man. But that that one was legit tails. I, he's, he's been winning every coin toss this year. Yeah, I haven't one, lost I this. I oh, you haven't lost. Yeah, yeah right. I haven't lost a single. Right Last year, since, I couldn't since lose. the new year, yeah. I literally yeah. have. Be- I, I, did, did I lose one? No, I don't think so. Yeah, this so. year you've lost one. I think, one, well. right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, you I, called I, it both ways. You're like, this well, but yeah, it's but head. I, <laughs> I'm like, okay. I called what it was, and yeah. then... And then you pick the opposite. And then I pick the opposite. So Justin will win. And he's like, but that's like, you know, like that's stupid on a 50, 50. And I'm like, yeah, but I just want you to know how much I own you in the coin toss. So maybe, All right, you know, well, we're you almost am- miserably this time. Yeah, so I'll well, take my uh, one win this year. Yeah, and be happy right. with it. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and debate Ron if that's all right. No, that's perfect. Okay. I want to sit back here and listen. I'm, I'm, I'm potentially want to do uh, some outdoor enclosures. So I want to, oh, I yeah. want to just sit back and, uh, well, now you had success. Yeah. You, you bred your coastals outside, right? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have an outdoor enclosure, but I, I, I would actually, I'm, I'm thinking about doing something that's a little more involved and putting some more animals out there and, you know, I, I wouldn't mind putting my diamonds out there and maybe try and met Cafe out there and, mm-hmm. and, and McDowell eye. So, you know, just do, do most of my, uh, carpet pythons outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this be, is the man to learn from. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Ron, you ready to call it? Sure. Okay. What you got? It's heads. It's heads. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right. Well, what side do you want to? You want to take? I'll take the. I guess I'll go ahead and take the pros. Take pro, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have I have very little experience keeping outdoors, <laughs> other than throwing stuff outside. I've got these those uh, these giant like they they're like chemicals for cow farms or something, and then they wash them out. It's like some food additive, and then they're these giant like plastic carboys. And I cut them in half, and then I have, you know, these <laughs> outdoor tubs that I can put oh, stuff that's a, in. That's cool. I'd like to see yeah. that, actually. That's something yeah. that I would steal. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and the, the farmers, like, want to get rid of them. They they use up the stuff inside of them, and then it's useless to them. So they Are just, those like, those opaque white ones? Yeah. Yep. And they had kind of, they usually, some of them have like a metal cage around yep. them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like a rebar, like a rebar cage to yeah. reinforce them. Yeah. yeah. I wondered yeah. where that came from. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I see people, I see people cut the, kind of cut the, the top off those and then use them for like aquaponics. They'll yep. put, that's they'll where put fish in them. And yeah, that's where I yeah. got them from. The guy that I got them from was using them for that, but he got too yeah. many of them. So he's like, yeah. And now I've got them sitting in my yard. I need to like, and I, and I, uh, I think I need to get them underneath the the dirt and that's maybe something Ron can hit on. But, um, you know, as far as keeping things in, in a, that kind of setup outdoors, but all right, well, let's uh, get into it. Do you want to go first or you want me to lead off? Uh, you, you go ahead and lead off and then. I'll okay. Go. 
So, so I will preface this. I, I've been watching some discussion on the Desert Lizard Keeper group on Facebook or something, and, and there's some really uh, high uh, tension there, <laughs> debate back and forth, which is really encouraging. So, um, and uh, you know, there, there's talk about uh, you know we need to understand what what an animal needs, and and a lot of times, um, I guess kind of one of the take homes that I got from that is you can control things a lot easier indoors. And as long as you know kind of what they need from the environment, and I guess the maybe the consensus, if you can call it the consensus, is that, you know, desert animals need heat. And so if you can provide the proper heat, you know, uh, regimen, then they'll do great indoors. And so and that's a little harder to control outside because temps drop and, you know, uh, in, in my area, there's frost and snow that can occur, at, you know, even in the middle of summer in, in some instances. So you really got to kind of watch those things. So I think that's kind of the idea of, you know, indoor keeping is you have a, a much greater level of control over, um, you know, what the animals are exposed to, you can kind of find the things they need and, and hit those levels a little easier, maybe not less expensively, but definitely um, have more control over those things. So that's probably what I'd lead with as a benefit of indoor keeping. Well, I actually can't argue with you on that <laughs> because I agree with that. Um, from my experience, yeah. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people make really ignorant comments about keeping stuff outside over the years mm -hmm. like oh you know if you live in florida you just throw it outside and it does well and there's nothing to do and it's almost cheating and let me <laughs> tell you something it is a hell of a lot harder to maintain animals outdoors than it is indoors for a variety of reasons but there are very amazing benefits that you get if you can jump through the hurdles I can't tell you how many times over the years, fairly novice people and even people with a lot of experience indoors that have said, oh, you know, I want to move my stuff outside and they'll ask for advice and I'll give them the advice. I'll answer their questions. Then they try it and they fail miserably on it, usually within the first couple of months and then they're, they pull out. And that's yeah. because there's, so, you know, if you're setting up an indoor set up there you just like you just said it's relatively straightforward you get the an enclosure you get some lights you get some water system you get you know you can keep them in a climate controlled room you you pretty much can control all the variables mm -hmm. but you'll never I, I don't care how the technology goes you're there's never going to be a light that's as good as the sun it's yeah. just not ever going to happen yeah. all the human hubris in the world isn't going to make that happen so <laughs> You know, um, so the big benefit I feel is that one, I can provide much larger enclosures than I could ever indoors because obviously the finite space. Um, the other thing is, is that my animals get, you know, they get access to rain, they get access to natural sunlight, they get access to, you know, a dew and, and all these things that they would get in the wild that actually help them. And in a lot of ways, you know, make them superior. I, I, as far as, you know, hmm. I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole. Nah, just say it. But <laughs> no, but I mean, so when I go, when I see a lot of collections, like I, I, I do check out a lot of lizard collections, their animals are healthy. 
but they never quite look, they certainly don't look like wild type. And mine, mine certainly, I can't, I couldn't say that mine look exactly like wild type because I'm, even though I'm doing them outside, I'm still missing stuff. You know, they're not getting mm-hmm. the variety of diet that they would and yeah. stuff like that. But my animals that are kept outside generally are more vibrant colored um, than the stuff that I see. I have far less instances of, um, you know, like, um, like you see a lot of like long-term captive herbs that kind of get like rubbery legs and stuff, especially with lizards, you know, you see all this stuff. Um, Mine don't get that. And I think that part of that is, is because of they're in large enclosures with large, you know, they, they get a lot more exercise Mm -hmm. and they actually, when you, I've noticed that when I, if I bring the knolls inside, right. And I put them in a nice three foot by two foot enclosure in the living room and give them everything they need. They really don't do a whole hell of a lot, but the ones that are outside, uh, they run all over the place, you know, they're, they, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of revert back to wild state. So they're no longer tame. Like when I bring yeah. them inside, they're tame. You put them outside they're they're back to that, you know, yeah. craziness. So, so, yeah. and I think all that, you know, they build their muscles better. There's just a lot of pluses there. Yeah. But like, I, <clears throat> Oh, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I learned at an early age that, yeah, an animal indoors is not the same as an animal outdoor. I had a, a golden tegu when I was a kid. And I, <laughs> That's a classic <laughs> example. Yeah, I took it outside to give it a little sun. And, and, and that thing just took off. And I was I was running full speed and it was, you know, gaining on me. And yeah. like, oh, crap, it's, I've lost it, you know, and it was headed um, towards my my grandparents live next door. So it was headed towards their house. And so I'm like okay, I can cut it off of the pass. Is it going to turn left or right? So, you know, I kind of guessed on one direction and it headed that way. And so I was able to cut it off and grab it. And it was just trying to bite me and crap it yep. all over me, like just pissed off. And yep. so I'm like, okay, this is a different lizard. It I is. need to be a little careful when he's out, out in the natural light. So yep. I see the same thing with the Rankin's dragons. I'll take them outside yep. and, I'll, and they're, you know, freaking out looking for predators and they're looking at me like I'm a predator and <laughs> oh, gaping at me and, you know, trying to bite me and stuff, you know, they're, um, so I guess that can be, you know, uh, like you said, it can, it can give them tone and get them more, you know, less like a, a couch potato herb, you know, right. they're not, they're not all pasty white and fat and sitting inside, you know, yeah. they're, they're robust and, and muscular and, you know, bright colored. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I definitely concede that point, um, that, that they, they are, have advantage of living outdoors, of being more robust and, and stronger. Um, but so I guess, you know, when you're talking about providing animals that may be kept as pets and people want to hold them and interact with them and that kind of thing, that could be a benefit of indoor keeping is that they're less in their wild state. And and also, you know, I've, I've heard, too, that, that that can be a challenge to breeding the animals when they're outdoors, always looking for predators. They don't want to come out. So you don't you don't really, it's harder to monitor them because you can't see them as often because they're always hiding or always, you know, that kind of thing. So that might be, um, again, less control, a little more randomness. You're, you're not seeing them as often. You're not able to monitor them as well. Uh, of course there's, there's ways to overcome that, but you know, that could be definitely a challenge, um, to, to, especially if you're trying to breed the animals and you want to make sure that you don't miss a clutch of eggs or things like that. So for sure. Uh, that is the thing for, I mean, there, I have stuff here that I won't see for weeks at a time, mm-hmm. but they're in there and they're fine. Yeah. Now, part of that is, um, 
that we, because of the, you know, the fear of predator thing, you have to supply them with the ability to feel safe, which Mm -hmm. means you have to give them a lot of shit to hide in cover, you know, stuff like that. So our cages have, so it's a fine line for us because we are commercial herpetoculturists. We have to have, we have to be able to find eggs. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't overload their enclosures with stuff to where I can't find eggs. Yeah. So I take it right up to the line between um, it's sort of a hybrid approach. It's similar to what you would do indoors, but it's kicked up about a 30 to 40% more intense as far as, you know, cage furniture and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then I've just had to learn how to find the eggs like the, Anoles lay one egg every seven days and we have, you know, there's like 50 females divided amongst, you know, five or six projects here. So having to check up pl- and they will only lay their eggs in this potted plant. I can't get them to lay in anything else. That's so, good though. Right. Cause then you know where they're going to lay. <laughs> it is, but having to pull a potted plant every seven days and take yeah. all the cocoa fiber out searching for an egg that's the size of a jelly bean. Um, it turns out it's quite time consuming. So yeah. that's why the cap on the anoles basically is going to be these 50, yeah. uh, 50 plants that I have to check and, mm-hmm. and they'll, I'll never, it'll never be beyond that because Han said 50 is my number. It fucking takes, don't give a shit. Past that. <laughs> it takes four and a half fucking hours to service yeah, 50 right? plants. So, and I just don't want to work that hard. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I figured four and a half hours a week, like my entire Thursday, I do it on Thursday. So my entire yeah. Thursday is fucked essentially between yeah. that. And then, you know, you get stopped for, you know, you have to stop for all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ends up being an all day ordeal every Thursday. I'm curious if you could trick them, like just have like a fake. You I've know? tried. You Dude, tried. I have tried all. <laughs> like, listen, Julander, I've thought of that. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually made us put a second pot in there with the exact same substrate and, a, and just mm-hmm. a, just a stick sticking out of it. And mm-hmm. they're like, fuck you. They use the pot <laughs> every time I, I tried covering the potted yeah. plant with wire so they couldn't get to the substrate and yeah. then they were just dropping the eggs on the freaking wire and that was that was a disaster uh, yeah because if i didn't find them right away they desiccate they desiccate mm-hmm. super fast yeah so i was like okay fuck this i found a plant that could survive me meddling with it every week <laughs> and um and then i repack it with cocoa fiber yeah i pull out the dirt it's the cocoa fiber that seems to be the the thing but there also seems to be some element to it where they need to feel it's the their primary plant so it's like where they hang out most of the time yeah. and it seems to be for them at least at this early stage in the domestication project process now maybe 10 generations down the road this mm-hmm. might not be a thing anymore they may okay. i mean yeah. like bearded dragons you can literally it's take them put them in a five gallon bucket full of dirt and they will dig a hole and lay an egg there yeah. it's right there yeah. yeah but i remember 30 years ago I don't think I could have pulled that off when they were relatively new to the trade because they were much more nervous. Yeah. They were a different animal. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, domestication definitely has its, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah. So, and Ron, so question for you, like, so when you're, when you're kind of setting up outside, do, do you tend to find 
that you start very basic and then kind of add and kind of see like like kind of take the the pulse of it and make changes are you constantly until you kind of get your like you know i know this this is the way i do my yard with plants where not all plants do well in certain areas so i have to like start them here and oh fuck it's not doing so well and i move it over here and i'm like oh it's doing better and oh it needs this okay cool i find this spot and it's like that's it that's perfect do you do you, you it is, is exactly is, what you described okay okay all right, <laughs> that's cool. exactly cool. it all like right. i've i've had enclosures that i thought like i have to take into account sun position year round yeah so yep. one thing i yep. do is before I set up an enclosures, I will often, I'll pick a spot where I think, you know, I want to put it and then I'll pick a few alternate spots. And then about once every three or four weeks, I'll go out there and I'll take a photo of it at noon, the, 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 the yep. sun on the ground. Yep. So that by the time I'm ready to do it, I can go back and look and say, okay, this place gets full sun exposure all year. This place gets fucked by the trees at the neighbor's yard. You know, when the sun starts to lower in the sky in the winter and stuff like that. So because I've made a $12,000 error and built mm -hmm. a, an unmovable structure for my lace monitors that I had uh, mistakenly guessed um, no. that, that the entire thing would get full sun exposure all year. But it turns yeah. out that there's a fucking tree that basically has made the end cap, which is two enclosures, completely unusable because in the wintertime wow. it's shaded all the time. It's just know. because your sun path drops your yep. you know your 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 sun sits lower in the yep. sky so you you don't get the the same arc as you do yep. when you do it in the summer yeah yeah and i gotta go ring that, ring that tree <laughs> kill yeah. it yeah yeah the problem is is it's like a like an 80 foot freaking oak tree so it ain't yeah, going nowhere yeah, that, that's yeah, not no, tree you want and uh <laughs> no. yeah. and and it's hanging over my house so yeah we couldn't oh, yeah. cut it down if we wanted yeah. to without risking it's just yeah. a, it's a disaster. So so, but it mm. turned out. So what I did was I, we spent the last two years trying to figure out well what could we use this eight by eight by eight foot square, and then these thirteen monkey tailed skinks came up and I was like, oh. well they will fucking love this because it's yeah. cool all summer yeah. because it, it's it's shaded all the time, <laughs> and uh, and it's in this perfect spot. So we yeah. set them up in there. I put all these ramps and and mm. and uh shelves and pot and one side so what i did was i actually blocked off half of it so they're in a four by eight by eight right now it's eight feet tall mm. eight feet long and four feet wide the back half we just planted a shit ton of pothos which is mm. what they eat yeah and we're gonna and it's coming in a rainy season so it'll rain every day that whole cage will fill oh, up with yeah. pothos Blow and up. when it's full i'll open it up and then they'll be able to we won't even have to think about Brown. feeding them for maybe yeah. maybe indefinitely very cool. Yeah. So that's that's definitely a, a, one of the huge high points that I could see, especially if you're working with, uh, you know, omnivores or, or vegetarians yep. that you can grow your own plants. And, do you, do yeah. you know that we feed all of the bearded dragons and I fed and bred every cyclor and every iguana I ever worked with, every species, actually. Um, and I've never bought greens at the grocery store. I have used yeah. always the weeds that grow naturally. Yeah, vines and weeds awesome. we figured out what they eat and that which what's what they can eat and honestly it's way way better than yeah. the shit you get at the grocery store yeah and most oh, people yeah. don't really realize that uh -huh. we've had friends yeah. come over and they're like they see we're doing that and they're like what the fuck i got this all over my yard i'm like yeah it's great wash it <laughs> off throw it in you never have to buy this shit we 
I think when Heather and I got together, she had always, you know, gone to the store and bought the greens. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, look at this. You can feed them <laughs> this, this, and this. So uh-huh. she started doing it. She noticed that the dragons looked way better on yeah. this because they're getting a better diet. Yeah. And and they were ravenously eating it. And she said it's saving <laughs> us like, I think she said it saves us $11,000 a year. Wow. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a, I mean, I I've done that for years, but the, the best thing that grows around here for herbs is like dandelions. And the, well, I, yeah, I wish I had that. Yeah. I can't grow that here at all. Really? I thought they grew everywhere. They're just like, <laughs> no, it fucking dies. Uh, yeah. our, our neighbors, I was looking at our neighbor's yard and it's just full of them. It's almost more mm-hmm. dandelion than grass. You know, I'd be like, using the hell out of that. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but you have to make sure that they haven't sprayed them, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I'll usually only trust them in my own yard. Right. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't mind if dandelions grow in the yard, although my wife's not the biggest fan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that's a huge benefit of, of keeping outdoors. That's, that's really cool. And, and I love that story you told last time you were on about the roaches. The, the roaches. Uh, yeah. I just got a kick out of that. Oh yeah. We, so we, we were actually ripping up uh, a couple of other uh, bearded dragon enclosures. Cause we had one lay eggs under the platform under the, mm-hmm. and it was full of those roaches. And as soon as I popped the things off, all the dragons just started grabbing as many roaches <laughs> as they could. And, yeah, <laughs> you can see the the dragons will go out and dig through the the substrate looking for uh, roaches, and they make uh, them cool. burst out of the ground and they eat them. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean that's all extremely beneficial. Like, mm-hmm. but when you tell novice people, they're like, "Oh my god, well, what if it has pesticides? And what if it has?" I'm like, "Okay, well, it's in our yard. We don't spray anything ever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and um, I mean. <laughs> Have you look, you know what they spray the stuff you buy at the grocery store? <laughs> right. you know, yeah, exactly. you, you know what the commercial insect feeders by and <laughs> yeah. large feed their stuff. They're getting uh-huh. plenty of chemicals. Trust me. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're, it's just, it's just uh, the mindset that we have. Like I've never bought substrate. Yeah. I don't buy fucking substrate. I use the dirt <laughs> in my own yard. Yeah. I've always yeah. done that. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. better. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's free yeah. and it's there. And it's the same shit. There's really yeah. not. We just have a lot of ideas that that uh, that we're kind of just, you know. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> that coffee's kicking my ass. We we live <laughs> we live we live in a very engineered world. You know, man has engineered all these things, right. and we think that we have to use all these engineer. We 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 get away from like old school like like my grandparents composted and they they gardened and they they didn't like you know they they weren't like you know dependent upon you know buying all their you know uh potting soil or whatever they were they were they were making it in the yard you know and Mm -hmm. and and i think people are kind of afraid of that and they think like oh well you know if i if I start using that stuff, there might be bugs in it and my reptiles might get mites or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that's like they, they automatically go from, you know, a healthy biotic diversity equals snake mites or right. something like that, you know? Yeah. And, and you're probably more insulated against snake mites having a healthy biotic diversity than Correct. you would be having an abiotic, uh, you know, uh, situation. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I have intimate knowledge of a lot of the large scale commercial uh, herbiculture mm-hmm. places. I have never had 
a lot of the problems at all that a lot of these guys deal with on a regular mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. And that's, I attribute that to the fact that they're, they're outside and, and, you know, I, they're natural sunlight. <clears throat> There's not overuse of quats, you know, mm -hmm. and, and all that. Um, I, I think that in a lot of ways that that comes back to bite you in the ass, just technology doesn't make things better necessarily. It makes things no. different. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it is better, but a lot of times it's just different. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it has negative uh, things. So I love my technology, but I'm also um, unwilling to be chained to it. So yeah. I, I'll look outside, you know, like you said, for, you know, like natural ideas. And it's not for any ideology or anything like that. It's just because it's there. So it just seems mm -hmm. like, why are you not taking advantage of it? Um, well, and I mean, you you know, you can you can have technology, and technology is good, but you as a human lack the diagnostic equipment to tell if that light is actually giving yeah. the right amount of UV, you know, or or whatever. You have to have equipment to tell you that, or or you have to rely on a company who says, no, this is what the spectral curve looks yeah. like for this, and you know. And we've talked about this when we were talking about UV is the manufacturing, pro a little change in the manufacturing process, so where they're sourcing their material, whatever, can completely change something. And maybe they're batch testing. Maybe they're not. You, you just you don't know. Yeah. But, you you know, the sun, it's it's the same. It's full <laughs> right. spectrum all the time. Right. You know what I mean? It's I, all the time. I'd like, I'd like to hit on a point there, too, because um, as, as beneficial as the sun is, it's also very dangerous. Right. It can kill. Oh, for her. sure as easily sure. as it can help them, you know? Yeah, so, sure. and you know, I think, uh, a lot of reptiles are designed to, um, use, you know, partial shade or, or the things like that. And, Absolutely. and you know, obviously UV lights or UV rays bounce and, and kind of come at the side and things. It's not just direct sunlight that it right. needs, but yep. I think, you know, maybe a, a novice keeper thinks, Oh, I'm just going to keep them outside and, and, and I'll, and they'll, to give them full sun so they can you know benefit from the sun and then they cook outside and that know? is the number one thing that i say yeah. and that's yeah. why yeah. we do not recommend to anyone at all that they try to copy the stuff we do i put yeah. the information out there so if you're interested in it and and you're willing to do the research you can benefit from it yeah. but i in no way am advising anyone to do what to try to mimic what we do or what crutchfield does or any of these guys that keep stuff outside um, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of thought that has to go into it. You really have to pick the right spot. Um, you have to pick, you have to then and outfit the caging. Just like you said, we, we use a tiered system. So mm -hmm. we have sh shade and, and sun availability at multi levels. So yeah. that creates a gradient upwards. And also we also do it, in, um, you know, we do it both horizontally and, and laterally. So, yeah. So they have all, and it's about giving them choices. Like you can, yeah. you ha if you had keep stuff outside, it has to have all of the choices necessary to survive. Mm -hmm. It has to have yeah. a safe, secure hiding spots. It has to have access to shade at all times. It needs to have access to sun for a majority of the time that the sun is active in the sky. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, it's just not a simple thing. Then, you know, it has to have water delivery and depending on the type of animal it is, we use soaker hoses on anoles and chameleons that run for an hour a day per enclosure. 
um, every other day uh, mm-hmm. or like right now it's super dry. So now it's, they're running every day for an hour to make yeah. up for the, the, the heat and the wind. Um, but when rainy season comes, I might not run them at all for six months. So it, it's a constant thing of turning dials and manipulating the environment. And that's a big con because it's, uh, and we can do this because we're literally never leave. We're always here. Right. So yeah. we're, we don't go to jobs. We don't have, we don't have to be away. And when one of us has an appointment or something, usually the other one stays here. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do stuff together, but if we're like going on vacation, we have people that then stay here. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we have, um, and, and that person that we would use for that is also a fucking very good professional herpetoculturist with a lot of outside experience. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the only people that I could think of on this planet that I would trust to, sit here and, and manage this place when we're not here. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I definitely don't have, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm talking about keeping some pretty bulletproof carpets outside. Uh, I definitely don't have the balls for, you know, doing, doing lizards and stuff that could be, you know, touchy. And well, um, I mean, honestly I, though, with your, your skill level, you probably would have no, no problem. Because I mean, I think, I think, I think it's just, you kind of got to, it's kind of like it's kind of like the you know you keep indoors and then you learn bioactive right and you're kind of like oh that's another layer towards keeping in an enclosure inside and then when you go outside it's like that that completely next level because now you're dealing with all of those things plus other biotic factors you know uh, dynamics uh, you know, it, it's, it's so much more fluid. You have to be so much more on top of it. It is, it's, it's, it's kind of, I think, you know, kind of to your point, it, it keeping outside is kind of the pinnacle. It's kind of the apex, uh, of, of keeping And, and I think it's, it's probably like you said, easier to keep inside cause you have better control, but you know, uh, I mean, how I, 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 for me, you know, to be able to be successful outside is very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Yeah. I, it, there, it, yeah. On, on multiple levels, the primary yeah. thing that I get from keeping stuff outside above all else is that it doesn't require much work. Yeah. What requires yeah. is knowledge and, and hyper observancy. Yeah. But it doesn't require a lot of labor. Once they're outside yeah. and they're set up in these big things, they're, there's really not you don't clean anything because nature yeah. takes care of it super quick mm-hmm. there's so many insects and wild lizards in all of the enclosures that every feces get re- taken away like fast mm-hmm. like you don't even they're mm-hmm. gone yeah and um and then all of the other you know things that are there and um so that's the big reason that i push so hard to do it because I'll I'll be perfectly honest. I've got a 2000 square foot building here. And if I really wanted to, I could turn that into a lace monitor breeding thing and I would crank lace monitors out, Mm -hmm. but I don't do that because one, I don't want to force them inside under fake lights and shit like that. And I enjoy watching them outside. They're outside off my back porch. We sit out on the porch and we watch them do their thing. And then, you know, we'd lose that if we put them in the building Mm -hmm. and the hoops that I've had to jump through to get those to breed. I'm positive that if, if uh, they would not reproduce in the wild in Florida, they Mm wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. They don't get hot enough. Yeah. So I've had to cover them with plastic sheeting in the summertime. Their cages are so hot during the day that it's unbearable to be in there. And I could not produce them until I did this. 
Like yeah. I, they would get gravid and I get nothing yeah. and not gravid, but you know, they would go through the process. Females would yeah, swell up yeah. and, and then yeah. nothing would happen. And I was getting super aggravated. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I started looking and it's because it coincided with the rainy season. It would, it would be 96 degrees and then two o'clock would come and the sky would open up and it'd pour for an hour, drop their body temperature to 78 degrees or so. And then mm-hmm. it screwed them up. So I was like, okay, now that I see what the mechanism that's causing this, I covered the tops in clear plastic and I covered the backs, only the front of this. Um, it's like 48, it's 64 foot long and cl- multi sectional enclosure. Yeah. Only the front is open now. The rest of it is totally awesome. enclosed. Okay. And it's and the sun hits it directly and it's so fucking hot. <laughs> yeah, it's a sweat so, and now they're jamming. Like yeah, their, yeah. their, their yeah, they feeding level went way up. It was the same thing with yeah. the Mertens. The Mertens were not yeah. getting hot enough. I moved them to a place that's so stupidly hot that I had it reserved. It was my section of the property that I thought, well, if we ever decided to do Euromastics, this is the place. Because yeah. it's white sand, it's very hot, it gets full, unimpeded un, 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 un sunlight from the very earliest hours in the morning until the very end of the day. Mm-hmm. So it's like really hot. I put those things there, they started laying eggs and they started eating and and everything mm-hmm. was fine. So, but, I, but even them, I have half of their cage covered in plastic too. Like it's so hot underneath there. And I have black uh, PVC basking uh platforms that you i i threw an egg on one a raw egg and they started to cook and these things was laying on i was like i I just it's hard to under to to really realize how much heat those things need to breed there's no way they would if they if they got if a hundred of those got away in florida i don't think it would ever be more than a hundred of them i don't think they could i don't think they can reproduce i don't think they can complete the cycle here (laughs) because they can't get hot enough yeah, yeah, on their own. So, but if I shoved them in that building, I could crank up the heat all the time. They never see any rain. I, I could I could raise that building temperature to whatever I wanted, pretty much. And uh, you know, but it was the, it's the it's the rain that was screwing us up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even so much that the rain dropped the ambient temperature because after the sun comes back up, it rockets back up. It was the yeah. that the rain was hitting the they were laying out in the rain. Their the cold water was dropping their body temperature. And so I just denied them the ability to get to rain and then have, have basically used this plastic to, to superheat it. And now everybody's doing good. Hmm. What, what about a compromise, like an indoor outdoor type setup where you have, you know, a, a door through the, through the wall of the building and they can access the sun and outdoor and then bring them in when it's cooler. Or yeah. That's, that's another, that is an idea. I've, we floated that idea. We were thinking about picking up a pair of Boland's pythons and and giving them a really cold air conditioned room, and then running mm-hmm. a you know a, an outdoor thing they could go and get out in the sunlight and in the rain and all that when they wanted mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And it's something we may do down the road. Right now, that room yeah. is full of um, azanthic crested geckos, which I don't know why I have them, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, they. Uh, yeah, that is that I've seen that actually done. My buddy Dave Vicani had did that with Cyclura to a really uh-huh. good effect. And he was actually in this lives right down the street from where we live now. Yeah. Um, and uh, that 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 idea definitely works. It's good. It's a good one. 
Mm-hmm. And right now we use the building as an indoor outdoor anole thing. I built this yeah. enormous anole. I've got these huge Home Depot carts, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that you put your lumber on and yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So then and roll them outside yeah. and back in and yeah. yeah, kind of that idea, but you're you're manually moving them back and forth. Yeah. And the only reason I do that with the anoles is because the screen cages are, you know, the predators just go right through them. So um, we roll them yeah. into the building at night to keep, you know, raccoons and shit off of them. And yeah, um, yeah. We had to, to do that. But uh, if I could keep them outside, um, all the time i would they i mean they live all over the place they live where we live they're they're naturalized here yeah Mm -hmm. so um but you know the raccoons are my house is is besieged man but oh you know what here's a funny story i haven't told a lot of people this yet but three days (laughs) ago i went outside my fucking yard and and uh, my dog lost her shit she was there was something sitting on top of the bananas pectinata enclosures and it was mm-hmm. big and i was looking at it and i i didn't have my glasses on i thought is that our fucking cat <laughs> and as i walked over closer to it it was a fucking ringtail lemur a big one what yeah <laughs> and it dude that thing i i screamed it it, <laughs> it freaked out and it fucking because it, it startled the shit out of me i couldn't it yeah. turned around looked at me and i was like holy shit and i was like oh my god i gotta catch that thing <laughs> and it took off my dumbass dog following it. It ran, it jumped yeah. into the trees and yeah. then, and then it disappeared into the brush in towards the front of our property. Uh, I know yeah. there are people around here that there's, there's supposedly someone close to us that has monkeys. And I'm assuming that that, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never seen one. I couldn't believe it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, can't, and I, I really don't want this fucking thing in my yard. Cause I don't want my neighbors yeah. to think that's mine. My, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. That was from funny. I've heard, man. Like I, I was listening to a podcast that, you know, it was, it was a reptile based podcast, but they were talking to somebody who had experience with primates and reptiles. And he was talking about the primates. He said those ringtail lemurs can pretty much scalp you. Like they're, they're, yeah, their was, bite is extremely powerful. You wouldn't expect it from them, but they can mess you up if you, mm-hmm. if you, uh, I get couldn't, too, I uh, could not believe it, dude. I was like, what are the freaking chances? <laughs> There's a ringtail that's lemur so in my yard. That's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming yeah, it was in because of all, you know, that. we have all these other animals and yeah. Yeah. Like at night on one of the ring cameras, we had, when we moved into this house, right? There was only one screen on all of the windows. There's like oh, 12 no. windows in this house and none of them had yeah. screens. And the first night Heather and I are sleeping and we hear this fucking loud bang. And we both we jumped out of bed and she's like, somebody's trying to break in. And I look and the freaking screen is somebody, some, somebody, we thought it was somebody pulled it out and bent it over. Right. Oh, yeah. So we pulled up the security cameras and it was a troop of raccoons with two possums in tow walking <laughs> along the front of the thing. And one of the raccoons grabbed the, the freaking screen and pulled it off. And then I, <laughs> we found out that from the previous people that they lost all the screens by raccoons uh, no. the screens <laughs> off trying to get in the house. Oh, and they just God. never, they stopped replacing them after a while because yeah. they got tired of them being broken. <laughs> so does I, having, having the dogs, does that help? Well, we, we only had a Yorkie up until up until uh, recently, but when the yeah. when the robbery thing was going on, we we got mm-hmm. a alapaca alapaha blue blood bulldog. 
mm-hmm. which uh, she's just a year old, but she, you know, she's more to alert me. This is more of a yeah, fuck yeah. the dog, beware of owner kind of place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the dog's the first. The dog's just the warning system to whoever, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's your fair war- fair warning. Yeah. 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 So yeah. thank God that got That's resolved. Crazy. But um. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Mixed species roving bandits. I, dude, breaking into your house. I mean, that was the craziest video. I looked at it. It's like five or six raccoons, and there's two fucking wow. possums right behind them. And they're fucking all raccoon. The raccoon gang with his two fucking oddball buddies. Never seen oh anything God, like dude. it. That's nuts. But it's because dude. we live we live in a place where, you know, it's surrounded by city, but these are a few five acre lots out here that are left. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. a lot of wildlife here. Yeah. And, concentrated. and it's cool, but, yeah. uh, you know, you better, you better, have your, you better have your shit locked up because, uh, yeah. between yeah. the foxes, the bobcats, the and now fucking lemurs, apparently, um, <laughs> <laughs> Heather freaked out. She's like, you got to call animal control. I'm like, I'm not fucking calling animal control. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll set out a if it comes back we'll set out a trap and I'll try to find out who has it and get it to them. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty funny. It thought the pecanata. She, she was just walked in here and shot me the bird. By the way, she heard me say that. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, and I guess that you know goes to another aspect of you know one of the things you need to be careful of keeping outdoors is you know, predators, you need to make your yeah. enclosures predator proof and, and that can be costly, you know, the right screen or, or wire yeah. mesh is, is not cheap. And, you know, that can, that can definitely, uh, the, make your pocketbook lighter. Um, and you know, right now lumber and stuff like that is very expensive yeah. and, you know, that's, it's just gone ridiculously, uh, through the roof. You know, I, I think I saw a sheet of like just a chipboard, plywood was like what 10 bucks you know a few years ago and it's like up to 45 50 dollars a sheet just ridiculous you know so that's got to be a little tricky or difficult at at this time to build those outdoor cages and things but yeah yeah go ahead no i was just gonna say we use um 16 gauge vinyl coated half by half inch welded Mm -hmm. wire which is I mean, it, it's so fucking difficult. You can, you can't, uh, we use that. We have to use electric, uh, um, I mean, cordless freaking grinders to cut that shit because yeah. it's too hard to yeah. cut with, with yeah. tin snips. Oh, um, yeah. and nothing's going to get in that or out, yeah. but that's the double, <laughs> the two sided to that is if you're keeping shit outside, you better damn well make sure that it can't get out. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 some odd, almost 40 years now, outdoors the entire time. You can mm-hmm. go to any place that I ever lived and you're not going to find a fucking thing that's attributable to me. Mm-hmm. But that's not been the case with some, yeah. like all this invasive shit here. None of that was people dumping pets. We all know yeah. exactly who did what. And it was basically importers and one particular well-known and uh, and very narcissistic large scale breeder who allowed a bunch of shit to get loose and then mm. basically taunted the authorities when they told him to clean it, his mess up. And now mm. we're paying the price for this because they're mm. actually passing laws that are intended to address what he did. Uh, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, that's right. Because you can't listen when the, it, it, a couple of animals being dumped, the chances 
that they're going to be that opposite sexes Mm -hmm. uh, are going to be dumped in the same area at the roughly the same time. I mean, come on, think about that. That's fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. What it was is, Mm -hmm. is it was, it was importers that got bad shipments and rather Mm -hmm. than freeze the stuff, if they got a bad shipment of a couple hundred iguanas, they took them out and let them go. Mm -hmm. Or, which gets back to my point, um, they had shitty rundown fucking enclosures in mm-hmm. all the cases that I just mentioned. That was the primary uh, problem is that they were using, they weren't, they built enclosures initially. And then over time they started to rot or, and they didn't fix them. Repair them. Yeah. And so shit started mm-hmm. to get away and, you know, or they had, you know, employees that were, you know, didn't mm-hmm. care. Shit yeah. gets out and they don't, open the door and runs out and oh well (laughs) we got more and all of that actually is even forgivable if you fucking clean up your mess Mm -hmm. if something it's really not hard now that's the one i had i've only had one incident i had an incident where in 2004 where um i I used to have these 200 250 pound english mastiffs and they got a Mm -hmm. fucking baseball bat for a tail and Mm -hmm. one of them knocked off a tank in my garage that had baby hybrid tegus mm-hmm. and the tank smashed 20, 27 tegus escaped. Um, mm-hmm. They got out of my garage because my garage door was had, you know, wasn't garage doors aren't really tight. Baby tegus yeah. slept right through them. Yeah. And over the course of two weeks, I caught every one but one. And that one I caught six months later. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. accounted for 100% of them, but what I did when I found out they were gone, a fucking, my world stopped for that yeah. two weeks. I did nothing but hunt those things in my neighborhood mm-hmm. until I got every goddamn one. I told every neighbor about it. I said, look, there's these little banded lizards. They're going to be on the ground. If you see them, give me a call. Here's my number. You know, they're only about a foot long. They're harmless, but I need to get them all. Mm-hmm. I got a hundred percent. So I really have a hard time um, with uh, the idea that, oh, well, you know, these these animals got away, but it's not my fault. It was my employee's fault. Yeah, but you knew about it and you knew about it for years Mm -hmm. and you did nothing. And when Fish and Wildlife tried to address it with you, you told them that none of it was yours and that it wasn't your problem. It's kind of hard to explain how all of these rare lizards are in abundance, you know, 80 or 90 cyclora, freaking mm-hmm. tegus, big monitors all over the place. Kind of mm-hmm. hard to explain that yeah. they're not yours when you live far. At, you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's <laughs> and there's all this shit. And there's all this like, shit. Yep, it's yeah. yeah, it's yeah. all radiating yeah. out from one point. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that it's almost it's, it's kind of insulting, right? If mm-hmm. I were fishing wildlife, I would be pretty insulted by that. Yeah, I mean, at, at now now in their for their responsibility in this, they've definitely uh, taken this situation and and instead of used it to their advantage. yeah, instead of beating yeah. the the perpetrators who they know they know who's directly responsible for the tagus, they know mm-hmm. they've known since two thousand and two. We all know who, who did that and they've done nothing to them. Instead, we're all, all of us that have been doing this legally forever. Thousands, maybe tens of thousands of us in the state, we're going to pay a price 
for the hubris of a, of a couple of fucking assholes. Hmm. And um, it's just bullshit. I honestly can't believe that some of the stuff that's being proposed is, is happening, but I mean, I'm really torn on it because half of me is like, well, kind of made our bed here. Yeah. Um, but again, why the hell? Are, why the hell do we punish everyone for the actions of those people that did it? Should be punished. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's the same. You know, if you you talk about gun legislation, right? right? I'm, same I'm, thing. I'm a, I'm, I like guns, uh, but the people who suffer the predominance of the stupidity the of gun people. regulation are the people who do it right. right. You know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. and the people who fuck it up are the ones that they that that is easy to point at, like, yeah, this is why we can't have nice things. Like, and everybody in the situation is like, yes, that's exactly why we can't have nice right. things. Go fucking take care of that. Yeah. Yep. And we 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 try we think we can stop stupidity by making enough laws. You yeah, know, we think yeah. We, it doesn't. You know, yeah, just or, no, or stop criminal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, a criminal yeah. does not care about your laws. Yeah, adding more laws That's doesn't doesn't what matter. makes him a criminal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Criminals are people that just that <sighs> that do not give a fuck about that. So yeah, yeah California just uh, pretty much outlawed ghost guns, and they're still pulling ghost that. guns yeah. off of criminals. Like, I mean, duh. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, I mean, man. Let's be honest. If somebody wants to fucking kill you, they're going to kill you. They don't need a gun to do it. There's there's a million ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Most of the lot, there's a lot of better ways to do it than with a gun. And so, (laughs) I mean, I mean, if you think it's just, I don't know, man, just, we've just lost all sense of all Mm -hmm. common sense. has just been thrown out the door. Any thought about it's just this guy. And it really, honestly, I think if you distill it down, it it's basically most of these laws are just, people hate somebody else because of what they do. They just don't like what you do and they hate you for it. So they pass these laws and say, Oh, it's for the environment. Oh, it's for the the conservation. Oh, it's for this, that, and the other thing It's to protect the children or whatever bullshit. They don't give Mm -hmm. a fuck about that. And their actions prove Mm -hmm. that because none of the things they're doing does any of what they're claiming. It just punishes somebody that you don't like because they have, they, they like something you don't. Yeah. And, I and mean, it depends on the lawmakers in, in office. You know, you can get yeah. some that are sympathetic or that are like cool with what you're doing. And we've seen some, you know, law changes for the good here in Utah where they've changed, you know, regulations and things in a, in a kind of make sense manner. It's, it's really kind of bizarre. It'd be nice if that, it'd be nice if that takes off. Caught on. Yeah. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that spreads, but yeah, doesn't show much signs of that, especially nationally, but yeah, that's a, uh, that's a tricky thing. And, and yeah, it only takes one person to kind of ruin it for the rest of us. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, like Ron said, make sure you've got yourself can your stuff contained and and you do it the right way if yeah. you're going to keep outside that's, that's and, it, and it's really important. not difficult honestly yeah. it's, I, yeah. i've done this most of my life with very little money like i just mm-hmm. had to make do with what we got and it's all it's really not expensive it doesn't require yeah. cost a lot of money to be you just have to be smart about it go look at what yeah you know um so the 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 excuses that are thrown around when I see the, these problems where we, you know, you have these large escapes, no, they're all fucking bullshit. Like there was no reason for it in any of these cases. Yeah. And, um, Except for maybe laziness or, or uh, poor attitude about it. Yeah. yeah arrogance, whatever, but yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, or people just didn't think it mattered. But I mean, I, I distinctly remember in the late eighties, 
maybe early 80s, all the importers in Miami, um, they would get bad shipments and they would let a lot of stuff go. The thing is, is that there was always this unspoken rule. You don't let go fucking predators. It's one mm -hmm. thing to let go some freaking, um, you know, African redheaded agamas in a city where literally mm -hmm. nothing lives. Like yeah. I, I helped uh, an FWC biologist in 2004 for a couple of days, locate a whole bunch of these introduced species because he was doing this initial study. I think it was 2004. It was early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Anyway. And when he was done, they concluded that most of those species that they're currently listing, you know, they, you see bandied around 49 invasive species of reptile. Yeah. But the vast majority yeah. of them were considered non-invasive yeah. because they were inhabiting this inside the city zone where literally there is nothing native. And they were mm -hmm. filling in niches that were vacated when the native shit got wiped out by fucking humans. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. So they weren't, they're, they're not harming anything and they can't get out of the city limits because the microclimate in the city is much warmer than when you go out to like the Everglades. So yeah. they can't radiate outwards. And a lot of those, most of those things are these small lizards. Most of them are like yeah. little anoles, little agamas. Curly tail. Curly tail. Yeah. yeah. And the curly tails actually had nothing to do with the pet trade. And all those came from cruise ships in the, like the thirties mm -hmm. or forties. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you had all this stuff that wasn't a problem, but we, but everybody knew back then, you know, don't go letting fucking pythons go or yeah. monitor lizards or tegus mm -hmm. or any of these big predators that could spread out. They, that would be a problem. Yeah. So the people that did that can go fuck themselves because mm -hmm. I just have no, there's no sympathy for that at all. I mean, yeah. they shouldn't have been dumping anything at all, but it was yeah. a thing that was done in the 80s I'm and 90s. Yeah, yeah. It was just this thing where nobody, nobody ever even really thought about it in the terms that we yeah. think about it now, back sure. then. And, a different time, yeah. Yeah, but but the, everyone knew, don't let freaking Burmese pythons go. Sure, yeah. Sure. I mean, that was just... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I saw a talk here at, uh, at my, you know, Utah State University. There was a guy that came and talked about Burmese pythons. And they did they did some studies and it from his conclusions. It seemed like there was a single event of somebody releasing a gravid Burmese python in the Everglades in the 70s. And that, you know, had, you know, was probably pissed off because it was gravid and then you didn't want to deal with it. So he dumped it and then it had, you know, the eggs and, and the babies just kind of radiated out from there. But that, that's you know, possible. They kind of, they're very related, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily the only story, but that was yeah. one of the studies they did. They were able to track kind of a radiation of these related animals from the Everglades out, which was, you know, pretty interesting. Well, I'm pretty I'm, sure that since then they they have discovered that um, genetically they were from a Vietnam shipment in 1994 that they can trace mm -hmm. to a specific person who was notorious for dumping mm -hmm. large shipments of reptiles. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this guy, I mean, there, the hurricane Andrew <laughs> Ron, Ron's like, that's a good story, but here's the real story. All right. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not just one event necessarily. Yeah. 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 And it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to catch African rock pythons in Medley, Florida back in that's the early crazy. 1980s, wow. but they, but this was in the middle of the, of the city and they were, con, they were confined to uh, a canal that used to where this place called pet farm used to be. 
and you could catch all kinds of shit there because pet farm lost all kinds of stuff but african rocks were actually breeding on this canal wow. so i caught babies and, and 16 yeah. foot ones and everything in between wow. and um that's crazy yeah yeah we used to catch caiman there <laughs> and just out catching came adult caimans and um and if you did it on a cold morning you would often catch african rock, rock pythons trying to warm up really not basking so that's cool so i guess what what is the is there a big concern with like hurricanes and stuff taking out you know uh, outdoor enclosures and what what's kind of the i guess what do you do in in, the, in that case if there's a big storm moving through that could yeah, potentially so, damage outdoor caging yeah i've been through plenty of them hurricane andrew yeah. and then all the ones after um mm -hmm. so what we do first of all the enclosures that i built like the ones that I built uh, when I lived in Palm Beach withstood three hurricanes back to back. They they oh, took the cool. hurricanes fine. My house got yeah. battered up more than the cages did, because you know oh, if you right. build them so the wind goes through them and you know yeah. they're heavy enough mm -hmm. and there's enough substrate, it's going to take a category four or five to really fuck them up. And at that point, you're not going to have a house anyway, so who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. But the other thing that we do is you don't leave your shit out in that. You yeah. have we have an entire freaking room full of boxes that we have enough that we can box everything up if we have to <clears throat> and either take it to a safe place or store it in the house somewhere in a safe room yeah so again not difficult stuff to do and mm -hmm. you better fucking do it because you live in a state where you know natural disaster well i mean natural i mean honestly we actually have it better in florida because you get plenty of warning with hurricanes yeah. It's not like we're sitting around one day and, oh, shit, there's an F4 tornado barreling down. Yeah. Not a whole lot of time to do anything about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We usually get a weak heads up. You know, hey, this, mm -hmm. you know, you can look at the weather patterns and go, oh, look, this is likely to steer into us when it gets to this point. So, yeah, you know, I generally wait until about 48 hours out when I, it's because I don't like to disrupt things for no reason. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so about 48 hours out, we'll start prepping all the boxes and then 24 hours out, we'll pull everything. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, then, oh, man. yeah, it's, <laughs> that would be a long process. I'm sure for your collection too. Okay. Actually not. I mean, it takes about four it. or five hours, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I also usually will call in the cavalry. I'll, I'll sure. call in a couple yeah. of friends of mine and say, Hey, you know, I need, to do it. But that's another reason why I don't keep croc monitors anymore and stuff like that. The mm -hmm. lace are the biggest thing I have. Um, they're very easy to work. You know, they're tame. You just go in there, they pick them up, put them in their little box, and they're good to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's one of the main reasons I've been downsizing all the big stuff. I got rid of the black throats because they were, you know, 80 pound monsters and hard to <laughs> lug around. And yeah. So that's why I've stayed away from water monitors, all that stuff mm -hmm. um, because of that reason. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. not fun to have to move huge things. Uh, and some years you get three or four scares, you know, where mm -hmm. this is supposed to be a particularly bad year. So we're kind of a little on edge about that one, but um, sure. a couple years, I can remember a few years in recent history where we've had very close calls where we had to pull everything at the last minute. Usually we were spared by, you know, a jog to the North or a jog to the South or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but, yeah. but it's it's a nightmare pulling it and then having yeah. to put it all back and everything's all like fucking frazzled because you know they're they were i don't know 
Yeah, keep keeping outdoors definitely requires an added level of vigilance. I mean, you know, even if you don't live in an, like like in in my backyard, if I want to keep stuff outside, I have to be aware of when you know frost events are, are yep. likely to occur and and pull stuff in so it doesn't get you know, or at least have the cage designed so they can at least you know find a place to weather the storm if you right will, that's what we do from, yeah. yeah yeah so that's that's kind of a trick to you know you've got to have those kind of things built in yeah i'm just gonna say it though uh you know i think the human race could you know benefit <laughs> from being a little more plugged into what's going on outside sure. of their home you know sure. it, yeah. with the with the environment with you know so like and that's where technology that can can really lend a hand as you, you you have everything at the touch of your fingertips, you know, you can set alarms when temps are hitting a certain spot, you know, you can, you're put out uh, temperature probes or whatever to alert you. So there's ways to mitigate that, especially with the technology we have now, but you know, technology can fail and you know, you need to really pay attention to what's going on. You can't just kind of set it and forget it to some extent. Yeah. I mean, we do that. We have thermometers and, various enclosures all around to let us know what the temperatures are getting in the winter time we we cover everything with six mil plastic clear plastic mm-hmm. and just get it at home depot and big 100 foot rolls so we cover everything in that and then we roll we vent it depending on the temperature so if it's a super cold day you know we'll only vent it a couple inches and then it keeps the enclosures around 85 degrees during the daytime now they get cold as shit at night because it does nothing to yeah. heat them but as yeah. long as they can get hot in the daytime, um, the, the, the cold's not a problem. Do you, do you, uh, utilize kind of like a, a thermal, uh, sink where you can have something that heats up and can radiate that heat throughout the night nope. or that's just too difficult. Subfloor. With, with, yeah. Ours go underneath the floor. So they're all the, all the enclosures that are outside are directly on the ground. I, found out the hard way a long time ago that if they're above the ground, even by an inch, if the air can get under there, um, when it gets below 40 degrees, it'll kill a lot of stuff. Okay. So what we found was putting it directly on the ground because the earth, you know, stays warm and uses the, uses the ground as a sink. It's a giant. Sink. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So then we put a secondary, all the enclosures have, um, a subfloor, which that's where almost everything sleeps at night. And when they're under there, I mean, it's essentially like a deck, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's thick wood. It's screwed down. I can't get them out unless I unscrew it. It's a freaking nightmare if I have, if I'm forced to have to get stuff out. But yeah. if a, if a tornado ran over those enclosures, it's very likely that that subfloor would still be intact and they would be fine underneath there. Yeah. So it's kind of like a little mini reptile bomb shelter sort of thing (laughs) and it works for a variety of reasons one it makes it very hard to rob it's very hard i mean it's you can't even get (laughs) your yeah to find them i mean i make sure they're the significant portion of the enclosure so they could literally be anywhere under the floor Mm -hmm. Um, and that makes that makes that it so it heads against that it hedges against you know extremes in any direction it's always you know it's on the floor so when it's super hot outside they just go under there and they're cooler than they would be and when it's cold yeah. it stays so on nights that it's like let's just say one night i can remember this year it was 37 degrees and i temp gunned it underneath the floor and it was 55 okay so yeah. and and keep them above that freezing point oh at yeah least. they never yeah. even when this shit's covered in ice 
like the plastic will be covered in ice, but yeah. underneath there, it's still in the fifties. So do you, do you, do your, uh, those cages like that, do they go into the ground or do they have like a, you, you have a metal sub, like a great sub flooring, right? Or, or well, I build, I build, I build, we build the cages. They're fully enclosed, right? They're wire bottom. Wow. So the whole, and then okay. we sit them on the ground. Then we put in the subfloor, right? I, I use, mm -hmm. uh, it's basically just about, you know, a couple inches above the, the actual bottom of the cage. So, okay. so they can go underneath that. So it, I, it's just like a deck, really. I call it a subfloor, but, but it's really a deck. But you don't have any like substrate so they can burrow below the, in, in, no. underneath the subfloor. No. Okay, so, so when they go under, they go into the subfloor and then on top mm -hmm. of the subfloor in the wintertime, I'll take full bags of mulch unopened mm -hmm. and just stack them on top of there. So then mm -hmm. now you've got four inches of mulch uh, yeah. in bags for uh, insulation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then when, when the winter's over, then I just use the mulch for cages. So it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's a cheap, it was a cheap solution and it's really easy to do. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's basically the same thing that a lot of people do with hay, but I can't use hay because I'm allergic to it. Uh, so, yeah. um, so I had to find another way. And that was what I came up with. Yeah. I remember a conversation I had with uh, Bert Langworth back in, you know, the early nineties or late nineties, somewhere on there. And we were talking about, um, keeping stuff outdoors and, you know, that was his thing, yep. you know, keep, keep everything outside and find species that will work with your environment. And I'm like, well, I'm in Northern Utah, you know, there's not much that will do well. Oh, oh no, you can keep this and this and this and you know, just <laughs> yep. rattled off this list of all these species that could do well. And there's actually somebody I've heard of a couple people doing this in Utah with uh, Russian tortoises that they'll oh, yeah. just uh, kind of dig an area under a big hay bale or something and, and they'll just let the tortoises overwinter and they'll cover it with a tarp and they're good to go you know and then they'll find baby tortoises crawling around in their yard or in their enclosure yep. you know during the in the summertime so you know they you can make it work with with different species you just have to kind of know their natural history and things oh yeah for and, sure yeah, that seemed like, you know, like the kind of the best of both worlds where you could just let them do their thing and in the natural environment and find the babies at certain points. And is that kind of the idea behind like the the chameleon populations that are in Florida, that they just kind of stick to one area and they don't really radiate from there? Or? They seem to be. But the problem with them is that uh, commercial collectors figured out where the populations were and then they started creating their own honey holes. So they would go and they would catch them in one location and then they would take and seed other locations. So they Another spread area. them all over the state really quickly. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and I think that was possibly becoming a problem with the Tegus as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, people just fuck everything up, man. Yep. <laughs> I yep. swear to God. Yep. I mean... Uh. But see, all that stuff, you don't hear about that in the news. What you hear about is, uh, you know, irresponsible pet owners are letting shit go. Yeah. That's not mm -hmm. at all what the case, what's yeah. the case here. In none mm -hmm. of the case, none of the instances were, can be attributed to that. They all have, they were all a handful of irresponsible commercial entities that mm -hmm. engaged in some behavior that, you know, came back to bite us in the ass. The chameleons got here by a fucking cricket farm owner who liked them and turned them loose on his property. And then people that would come to buy the crickets 
realized that there were veil chameleons there and started catching them. And they told other people and eventually commercial collectors started going there. And then they were like, oh, shit, well, I can, you know, I can take these and put them near where I live. And so because they were catching them. Yeah, you know, yeah. if they were paying $150 a piece for them, they weren't going to go out there and dump them. But when they could just go and catch them and move them. And it requires yeah. a lot of, of, of simultaneous introductions to actually get a colony started. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. the idea that us, that some pets did this, a pair, it's very, yeah, yeah. it's almost astronomically improbable. Yeah. But I mean, we all know down here the real story because we know these people who did this. They were, it was not like it was very hidden back in the day. It was just like, you know, hell, I used to go to that cricket farm myself to buy stuff. And I would, when I, I was looking for veils when I was there, mm-hmm. I never saw any. I saw some dead ones on the road. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but I mean, everybody knew. And, uh, but there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, yeah. The, the yep. genie was out of the bottle. 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And that's the hard thing is trying to make these laws to, to try to fix these issues after the, the problem. Well, and that's, a, but that's, the, and that's the whole point thing. is it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's exactly. We, mm-hmm. we can't, you can't go backwards on it, but the best you could do is address it. You know, uh, uh, we're addressing the problem legislation to address the problem. Blah, 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 blah. Honestly, they, I, you know, I even have to question if it's actually really an issue. Because mm-hmm. humans have terraformed every inch of this state. Yeah. There is no yeah. natural anything anymore. Yeah. This state mm-hmm. is extremely heavily populated. And yeah. there are not, everyone has, yards are full of non-native plants. I mean, mm-hmm. I live in one of the more natural parts of Florida. You know, that's that there's not really a lot of, it, the spot that I live, like my five acres is not, it's not planted with like all these non-native trees. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's still full of non-native shit that, that, right. that is here. Like there's, all, there's all sorts of stuff here, mm-hmm. <clears throat> all sorts of weeds that aren't, that are from the West Indies and, and all this stuff that. Yeah. So, absolutely. well, and I mean, even if they stopped, even if they stopped a, a, a global uh, pet trade uh, or a transportation of, of fauna that, there's still global trade happening and animals get on ships or, you know, they, they, I mean, they find their ways in food shipments and like it's, it doesn't, it, you know, humans are the impact, right. And humans are everywhere and we're going, you know, it's just like, it's just like trying to stop a virus, uh, you know, in a global uh, exchange of, of people. Like it's just never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It seems really insane, too, to say, oh, we need to control this Tegu problem when there's feral cats everywhere. <laughs> you know, right. Literally, yeah. Feral cats are <laughs> arguably much more damaging than any lizard is going to be just because they're mammals and they need a lot more to eat. So, yeah, but they'll never touch yeah. that because then yeah. they would get beat to death by the cat ladies. Yep. So that'll never happen. There's a strong, strong cat right. lobby no one, there. There's been there's been <laughs> plenty of empires that were yeah. afraid of of the moms. That yeah, they, yeah. They, they will bring your shit to the to the ground if you fuck with their family or their pets. You know. Yep. And, oh yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, man. It's a well. I, I guess 
Yeah, maybe that's the kind of the wrap up message is if you're going to do this outside, be responsible. <laughs> don't don't be an idiot. Don't be, you know, letting your stuff out or, or having, you know, crappy cages that they can escape from. Yeah, and if they do go catch them, go find them, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it. It's it's mm-hmm. if you can if you can overcome all the hurdles and you have some, you know, I mean, I have a lot of accumulated knowledge of my environment because I've lived here my whole life. I, I collect, I was a commercial reptile collector for almost 30 years when I lived in Miami. You know, I, I specialized in non-native species. I was the guy that supplied all those, you know, Cuban anoles and crested anoles Mm -hmm. to the pet trade and, um, and iguanas and all that. That's what I did. Um, so, you know, and I learned a lot about botany that way. And I learned a Mm -hmm. lot about, you know, you know, the, what kind of habitats these things need. And, um, and I've applied all that. So I bet you're a phenomenal herper because of that too. <laughs> you can go out and field herp like yeah. nobody's. If you guys ever get down here, man, I'll definitely yeah. take a week out of my schedule and we'll go do oh, some yeah. herping. I'd be down. That'd, that'd be, be awesome. Down. Just yeah. anytime, man. I'm good. Cool. Okay. So, What's the, what's the best like month or, you know, of the year to come, come down for um, kind of the biggest bang for your buck, I guess. Spring and fall are, are good, but I mean, it depends on what you want to see. If you want to see a lot of like, you know, lizards and invasive shit, you know, that kind of stuff. It, any time from now till October is good, like all summer. And okay. I can, yeah. that's my, you know, I know where to find lots of caimans, you know, I know where the pythons mm-hmm. are, the, all like tons of different lizard species, uh, Florida King snakes, uh, corn snakes, all that stuff. Yeah. So I've got a yellow rat snake spot. That's uh, uh-huh. that uh, Everglades rat snake spot that sometimes will produce 30 animals in an hour. Oh, wow. Like it's this, it's this <laughs> Island of cypress trees in the middle of a massive sugarcane field. Uh-huh. And it's the only place they can really live. And it's, fucking loaded with them it's crazy Holy shit. Yeah. that would be cool yeah. just to that see. would be cool yeah yeah that would, that would be awesome all right well let's yeah we'll have to yeah i'm i'm game on man. on the road yeah <laughs> i'm game cool. on cool yeah. man well yeah again i mean i just learned so much from these conversations yeah. from you i really appreciate I love you him. coming on it's fantastic to, i appreciate just, it guys it's fun so yeah yeah, it yeah, is. Asking the knowledge here. So yeah. I was a little Thanks. grumpy tonight on that subject. I apologize. It just, that's, <laughs> no, it's, no, no, it's good. It's, it needs to be said, too. I mean, yeah, that's, I, that's I, a part of the part of the discussion, right? You yeah. know, if you're going to keep stuff outdoors, you better do it responsibly or you're going to ruin it for the rest of us. Yeah. You know? Yeah, to yeah. say I'm a little salty about that is uh, an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I'm pissed. Fair, fair enough. Fair Under, enough. Understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for coming on and thanks uh, to everybody for listening and hope I'm I'm sure everybody got something out of this discussion. It's really, uh, really a good one. So when I catch the lemur, I'll post it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Look at this shit. That's crazy Crazy shit, man. All right. Well, um, thanks to Morelia Python Radio uh, Network for hosting our podcast and uh, check out all their stuff. They got a lot of good content, some good stuff uh, recently. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else to say, Chuck? Or are we good here? We're good, man. All right. All right. <laughs>
Well, Justin, Ron, and the Schmitten turn are out. Wait, Schmitten turn? <laughs> Schmitten, Schmitten turn, yeah. It's, uh, okay. it's like an intern, only it complains a lot. A, Schmitt, a Schmitten turn. <laughs> <That was good. laughs> See you later. Fight Club.